2: Hello and welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I am Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts 247 Sports, and this officially begins year two of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We started this podcast at the start of last season, right as fall camp kicked off, and we are now, I'm happy to say, at the beginning of 2023 fall camp. So we are back. We're doing it for a second year. We, we made it through the offseason, Buckeye fans made it through the offseason. And uh, we're, we've got a good show planned for you. I uh, am back to having a beer for this, drinking a garage beer. This did not fit in any of the glasses that I had. So I'm going straight out of a can. My birthday was in July and a buddy of mine, Matt, who doesn't listen to this show because he's not a good friend, uh, but he did bring me a bunch of these beers. So thanks to Matt, who's not listening. Anyway, let's get to Buckeye talk. As I mentioned, fall camp started this week. We're going to talk about that. We were out at practice for the first day on Thursday. Uh, We also had interviews on Wednesday and Thursday, so plenty to talk about there. We're also going to dive in, if you missed it, on Friday. There have been reports the Big Ten is going to expand once again, rating the Pac-12 even further. We'll dive into that. Oregon and Washington are the teams reportedly offered a spot in the conference we're going to be joined here by a couple guys, but we're going to kick off with Dave Biddle, my co-worker at Buck Nuts. Dave, what's going on?
1: It's good to see you, Patrick. Now, have you? Had, I see you got a big tall boy there. Have you Have you brought a 40-ounce onto the happy hour yet? No. that come in the future?
2: What I think for that is like bowl trip, we decide to do one with you, me, and Steve, and we just go crazy. Maybe maybe if the Buckeyes make the national championship game, that's when we bust out the 40s. What do you think about that? Let's,
1: that? let's do that. So like not just winning, you know, not winning the Big Ten, but after they win the semifinals and we're there covering the national championship game the night before, let's break out the 40s.
2: Yeah, I like that. Uh, those that should be fun. Though depending on where it is, I have found in certain cities because I am a I am a favorite 40s are a favorite of mine. I found certain places it's hard to find 40s. Um, We are going to be joined by Tim Hall from 97.1, the fan as well, to talk with us. But he is finishing up some things at work, so he's going to pop in when he's done there. Dave and I will hold things down in the meantime. Dave, I want to ask you, and I'll ask Tim when he gets on here. Tim was not out at practice, but he's obviously dialed in on everything going on with the Buckeyes. Let's start with what was the thing that stood out most to you from what we saw at practice on Thursday when we were there, what what popped the most to you out of of everything you saw?
1: I would say Sonny Styles starting at the slot, and I don't think he's going to be your traditional slot by any means. I think it's a lot different than maybe the role that, uh, for example, even last year that Tanner McAllister played. I think Sonny's going to be more of a rover back. He's going to blitz. He's going to be able to stop the run. And yes, he can cover. Um, So I think they're going to move some parts around. I I don't think it's going to be just, oh, Sonny's the slot safety and that's it. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I just love the fact, I've said all offseason, Patrick, I said, I don't care exactly how or where, but I want Sonny Styles starting and playing a lot. And it sounds like he will be doing that. I would say the second thing there is right tackle. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about right tackle, what's going to happen there. Maybe some of us were guilty. Maybe some of us were right. Maybe some of us were guilty of saying Josh Simmons was going to step right in. And be the right tackle. Not on the first day of camp. That, that wouldn't have happened if he was Orlando Pace coming in here for his first. It would have made him earn it. Maybe not Orlando Pace. But um, they weren't going to just put him with the first team his first day of camp. He wasn't even here in spring. But I think it's a lot closer than maybe a lot of people thought. Zen Mahalski, Tegra Shabola. Zen was taking the first team reps. Tegra was taking the second team reps. And then Josh Really, Jimmy, he goes by Jimmy, Jimmy Simmons. Um, Jimmy was taking the third-team reps. And Jimmy, Pat, was not as big as I thought he was. Like, he's listed now, he was listed at 6'6", now he's listed at 6'5". I mean, Zen and Tegra are clearly bigger than him. That's a closer battle, I think, than most people thought. The other spots in the offensive line, we know the the two new spots. Josh Fryer is going to be the left tackle. Carson Hensman is going to be the center. Who's going to be the right tackle? That's going to be a really good battle, I think.
2: So a couple of things you said there, and uh, Sonny was was definitely the talk, I think, coming out of, of that practice, right? The fact that it does look like – and to me, it, it was weird because they had guys on two separate fields. They were running, like, simultaneous practices at time, right, which I think was mostly done to play both quarterback – let both Devin Brown and Kyle McCord get plenty of reps with, with uh, first-team guys around them. Not fully first-team, but first-team guys around them. So Sonny was with the group with Lathan Ransom, who was the starter at at the bandit position last year, and Jihad Carter, who was at the adjuster in this, which is not what we initially thought he would be. To me, those three guys can probably play all three safety positions. So I think you get like a really versatile group there that you could do a lot of different things. I don't know if that's the group you run out with every single game, but I think you can do – A lot of stuff with that group. Um, And then, like you mentioned, Sonny Sells isn't a traditional nickel, but he can cover speedy guys. He can also cover Marvin Harrison, well, as well as anyone can cover Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, The right tackle spot, I'm interested to see how that continues to play out. Some of me wonder, part of me wonders if if maybe that was just it's day one, because Josh Simmons didn't do any rotating in with the first team that I saw. I feel like you've got to at least give him a shot there somewhat, right? So I will be interested to see how both of those play off. Let's bring Tim in because he's he's eagerly waiting to join the conversation. Hello, Timmy. How are you? Oh,
0: hello, boys. Patrick bids. Nothing going on today, huh? College football isn't completely freaking nuts. in the pains again.
2: Super super dull. That's why I'm just drinking a beer here at 3:08 on a Friday, getting it started
0: early. Good idea, Pat. I'll be joining okay. you soon. I'm there with you in spirit right now. I yeah, know. Always. Always. Tim, I, I know you heard some of what we were just
2: talking about, and I know you didn't get to go out to, to practice the other day, but so I'll frame this question a little differently for you. As fall camp started, what, is, what was the thing that you were most interested in learning? Maybe not day one, but as this plays out, what, do you, what are you most interested in finding out about the Buckeyes here over the next three, four weeks?
0: Well, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to get a feel on when this quarterback timeline is going to sink in. You know, I'm trying not to get too caught up in you know the the race in particular, but I think the timeline of it is interesting as to when that starter is going to be named and you know, we've got some Devin Brown folks around town that, you know, don't believe that this is a done deal, that this is a true and honest quarterback battle. So that aspect of it provides a little bit of intrigue until you get that starter. You just, that starter named, you you kind of never know. And until the the language at least changes with how Ryan Day speaks about that battle, that you can't really go all the way out there either. And kind of what you guys were just talking about, I, I believe that, both these guys can play the position really well. Like if either one had to go out there and handle their business, I, I believe they could do it. But when you're trying to replace everything that they're trying to replace on offensive line, we've been talking about it all off season. I just heard bids going through player after player after player, who's going to step up and who's going to look good. I mean, I, I feel like we got to point the finger at Josh Fryer for one. And if there was one guy that you were just going to demand a different kind of excellence from, without really having played a lot of football one of the biggest positions on out of the entire 22 starting positions, let's be honest. But you're looking at your starting left tackle. These days, go look at what these guys are making in the NFL. Ask, ask running backs how they feel compared to what left tackle's wallets and checkbooks look like. That is a really, really important position. So whichever one of these guys Josh Fryer is going to be protecting, I don't know. I don't even know if you could wait that long. You know, if the play wasn't completely there, you know, before you would actually have these ongoing discussions about, all right, who would who would we go? Who would we go to next? Who would we shift over there to try there next? So I think that's crucial. I think that probably is the more important discussion than Kyle McCord and and Devin Brown.
1: I just want to I don't want to bury the lead. Timmy Hall has great hair, as we all know. He's tried different hairstyles over the years. Patrick, I don't say this lightly. I think he might have nailed. It. This might be the. This might be the Timmy Hall, the A plus Timmy Hall. I think. I think you nailed it, my friend. This is it.
0: Oh, oh, you, this is it. you finally nailed it. Coming from you, who has you know that
1: who used to also have good hair, right?
0: Oh man, I mean, I, I know. I I got to look at Harrison Ford now that the new Indiana Jones is out, and he's kind of growing himself out a little bit. But you rewind. Yeah. If, you, if you rewind to, like, Last Crusade, Harrison Ford, where he's got the touch of gray starting to spawn off, that's sort of the look that you have locked into. And now with this lovely beard, I'm just – I'm only doing – I can't even get on your level. I've got sort of like an Orlando Bloom Pirates of the Caribbean type of facial hair thing going, but it's all I can do. It's the best I got.
1: No, you're, it's its perfect. You got it. You fight, you, it's always been A – Maybe B plus at times, you, A plus. This is it. You nailed it. Bam! All right, Patrick, let's actually yeah. talk oh, some football. Patrick, like, can we not talk hair? about hair? Well, I was um, just going
2: to ask. Do we do we need to get you guys a room? Like, is that what we're we're headed towards
0: here?
1: We're both happily married, just like you are, Patrick.
0: I don't know if I go that far. Uh, I mean, we do, we do live pretty cool. close. So Oops. we can make that happen.
1: Hope Sarah's not listening. You won't be happily married any longer, Patrick. What do you
0: say? I'll m- I'll meet you at Handles Bids. I'll take a lemon bar, okay?
1: There you go. I love Handles.
2: <laughs> um, let's dive into the quarterback situation because obviously, you know, we've talked about it a lot throughout the offseason, but it's uh it's the biggest topic that we uh you know we have here with no returning starter. Dave, what did you make? And again, for for people who missed it quarterbacks were on different fields a lot of the time working with different offensive groups um each one had a starting receiver ameka buko was on one field marvin harrison jr was on another um so they broke it up pretty nicely for them but but dave what was your impression of kyle mccord let's do kyle mccord and Devin brown first we can talk about the other guys if we want but what was your impression day one of fall camp based on what you saw in the spring
1: it felt like a lot like spring, you know, where in you know, in times in spring they actually did have you know bullets flying at them, where they had to worry about not really getting hit, but it was a little bit more obviously when they're in full pads and everybody else is going live except the quarterbacks, they're still going to get like bumped, ran into, and stuff like that. So they didn't have to deal with that. Um, so it's hard to really gauge too much. I thought both guys made some good throws. Both guys, you know, made some questionable throws, and even sometimes like when Kyle McCord, I know at one point, Patrick, you were focused on the Devin Brown side. I was focused on the Kyle McCord side so we can compare notes. There was one swing pass that, if it was a real football game, would have gone down as like a good play for Kyle McCourt. He swung it out there, and, and Travion Henderson caught it, make a, made a guy miss, and you know, would have had a big gainer. The thing was, it was a really high swing pass, and Travion Henderson, not a tall guy, went up and got it and uh, then made a guy miss. And it was all Travion Henderson. I was thinking, that's not, you can't do that. Like, that's, that was an easy pass, quote-unquote easy. And uh, But I thought, overall, I thought both guys, you know, come into camp, they're looking good. I like how they handled themselves at the press conference the other day. I do believe Ryan Day, when he says it is a close battle, a lot of times when coaches say that about quarterback competitions, it can be BS. I do believe it's a close battle. But, again, Patrick, I do think Kyle McCord will be trotting out there with the starters when the Buckeyes take the field. At Bloomington, in Bloomington, Indiana, for the season opener. I do think Kyle McCord's going to have a very good year as a starter.
2: To me, the, the things that I noticed, I thought Devin Brown looked a bit more confident, for lack of a better word, than maybe he did in spring. Um, now, that doesn't mean that, that every throw was perfect. It certainly wasn't. He threw the, the only interception of the day, uh, rolling out to his left, just a throw that he probably shouldn't have made. And I think it was Malik Hartford who, who read it and picked it off. But and, and probably would have gone for six if it were a real game. Uh, good for Malik Hartford for for recognizing that one. Um, Kyle McCord again wasn't perfect, but I just I I feel like that experience he's done this enough times now that that he kind of knows how it's all going to go. Um, he just seems a bit more confident on some of those some of those more difficult throws. Nothing was really too difficult and I think it was by design especially with us there with the fans there but I did I did think that both guys had their moments um you know you you do see with Devin Brown that escapability and he was pressured quite a bit and I want to get to the defensive line in a minute but his ability to just kind of roll out and and get out of trouble is something that certainly will play a factor Uh, not that Kyle McCord can't do that and he's made that apparent when we've talked to him that he feels like he's a mobile guy, but it's just not as natural as when Devin Brown's doing it. So, look, you've got a little bit of, of different guys there, and this is kind of the, what we've known all along, and, and the Buckeyes are going to have to pick what goes best for, for what they wanna, want to run. Tim, if you are picking between these two styles of quarterbacks, what, what in your mind works best for Ohio State? Because we've seen it. We saw Justin Fields a few years ago. And we've seen the C.J. Stroud, a guy who doesn't like to run as much. How how do you feel? You know, if you're Ryan Day and, and all other things are equal, how do you what do you think about
0: dual threat versus not? I mean, I got to say, I, I think this goes for almost anything. It, it's it's how you got to be. Get your job in 2023. It's you don't have versatility if you can't. You know, keep your wife happy and be a good dad at the same time, like be a great brother, son. Like you got to be everything to everybody in this life right now. So the more versatility you have and whatever it is, I I think it's better. So you look at some of the superstar quarterbacks in the sport right now, go to the next level, look at the NFL. These guys that can do both seem to be killing it the best. And don't even forget about guys like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. You just think, are the better passers. They are, right? But they're also really mobile guys. And when they need to scramble and when they need to be elusive, they are. Aaron Rodgers was even, has always been a guy like that. He's going to be getting less and less so as he gets older. But, yeah, I mean, and I don't want to, I don't want to, until I see Kyle McCord face live bullets for at least a good five, six game chunk. I would love to give him a half a season at least before I locked in, what my overall opinion was on this man and how he plays the position. And if he doesn't have enough of that ability, but from everything that we've analyzed so far, yes, Devin Brown even said so uh, himself, right. (laughs) And to the media a couple of days ago, I'm the better at, I'm a little bit more athletic. I can move better. I, I would certainly want that. Like if I'm picking between two sides, I'd want to be able to do both. I'd want to have that, that versatility in my game because that's the way that I, that I see the position being played going into the future.
2: Yeah, I think that certainly makes sense. Look, I think ideally you'd prefer to have a guy who can do both really well. You know, Caleb Williams is won the Heisman last year for a reason, right, at USC. Um, I do wonder if, you know, when it, it gets live, if Kyle McCord is running a little bit more, at least more than CJ did a year ago, uh, just because he's kind of seen what that can do and, and what not having that can do we um, you know we'll, we'll learn more as we go on with that. Obviously I want to move over to the defensive side of the ball. Cause obviously there's a lot of questions there. The defensive line for me, it passes the look test, Dave. Um, what we saw from them and especially JT to who I thought really kind of wrecked a lot of what they wanted to do with, with the offensive line, the quarterback, and it didn't matter who was blocking him. And I think if he can play at that level throughout this season, he could have a really good year. What do you make of, of the guys up front first? And we'll just kind of move back through this defense from what you saw on, on Thursday.
1: Yeah, also very bullish on this group, um, just like yourself. I think um Willow the guy that I think, um, you know, if I had to pick who's going to have like a superstar year, it could be JT. Um, also, though, I'm very high on Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams. Let's go back and watch the Notre Dame game, which is really the last – the only time Mike Hall was completely healthy last season, he completely wrecked that game. I mean, he was just a force throughout that Notre Dame game, particularly in the second half. And, you know, then had that was nursing that shoulder injury all year. And um, Mike Hall can be a star. Tyleek Williams can be a star. Jack Sawyer could be. But JT's the one that I think could really break out and be like an early-round NFL draft pick, as many are predicting that he could be uh, you know, a first-round pick. I think he will be a first-round pick in the 2024 draft. And then you look at the depth at DN. I'll get to D tackle in, in, in a moment as far as the backups. But um, when you've got Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry as your backup defensive ends entering their second year, something if they were a true freshman. I love both those guys. And Kenyatta Jackson looks like he's straight out of central casting for a defensive end, long, athletic, Gets off quickly, and the one thing he needed to do was put on weight and, and get stronger, and he has. He was 6'5", 235 last year at this time. He's still 6'5". He's now about 260 pounds and still looks just as quick. I like Caden Curry a lot, too. Then a D-tackle behind Hall and Tyleek Williams. Obviously, Ty Hamilton's going to play a lot. In fact, Ty Hamilton could start. You never know. I think the, the top three D-tackles, there's no doubt in whatever order, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams. Ty Hamilton, and that's gonna be a good battle between Pat's friend, Hero uh, Canoe. I cannot believe I didn't get a picture when Hero Canoe just—you guys are just chatting about soccer after practice yesterday, and Hero Canoe at one point just puts his arm around Pat, and they're just chatting like they're best friends. I sure got a picture of that because I would—I would have enti- titled it "Twins." You know, Um, it it was it was awesome. They're just chilling, talking about soccer heroes from Germany. He looks great as a redshirt freshman. He told me at Peach Bowl Media Days, guys, the one thing he wanted to do was, you know, get stronger, obviously, and get better at everything. But he wanted to lose some uh, body fat. And it looks like he's done that. He looked great. And uh, but I thought Taiwan Malone looked good, too. So there's your battle for the final spot on the two deep Taiwan Malone the transfer and hero canoe. So I love it. If we could say this about. We're going to talk about. I know other levels of the defense, as Patrick said. Uh, you can say this about any level of the defense. They are dripping with depth on every level of this defense. So, so there you go. I think this defensive line will be perhaps the strength of the defense. I like the secondary a lot too. I like the linebackers. I'm bullish all over on this defense. But um, there you go. There are my uh, extended thoughts on the D line. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Hero. I'm interested to see what Hero does this year because. I've run into, I ran into him at a crew game. That's what we were talking about uh, the other day. But I've, I've talked to him a few times this offseason at various things, and he's talked about how everything's kind of slowed down for him now in year two and, and whatnot. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of talent there in front of him. Um, I Look, I think if JT allows, as I said, if he can play – he doesn't need to be Penn State every week, but if he can just play up to the level he's capable of every week at a consistent level – and I wrote about this a few weeks ago – he can be right there with those those defensive ends that we've seen in the past that Buckeye fans have kind of waited for Ohio State to have. I have no doubt about that, Tim. If the defensive line can get back to what it was, uh, when it had a Chase Young and the Bosa brothers, and I don't want to just signal them out because obviously Sam Hubbard, Devon Hamilton, Tylee – uh, uh, tylie whoa, Williams, Lewis, uh, those guys, um if they can get back to that level of play, how much does that take the pressure off the rest of the defense when the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, the, de- the running back isn't getting to that
0: second level? It, it just
2: changes things,
0: right? Oh, I mean, you said I mean, that, that extra half second, honestly, is everything in the game of football. If you are generating pressure, I think like like Dave was hitting on too. when you get those phenomenal players that can disrupt the interior of an offensive line, and you can create that force up the middle, that really that really does something. I mean, I, I can't imagine as a quarterback when you snap the ball, whether you're playing under center or from the shotgun, and you've got that rush coming from both of the A-gaps, and it's right in your face in a split second, that forces you to go haywire immediately. And then if you've got an end like a Jack Sawyer or a Jalen Tuimolo Al on either side of you chasing you back one way or the other, and then boom, you're going right into a guy like Tyreek Williams or a guy like Mike Hall Jr. or a Hero Canoe later on, if he develops a little bit more, Ty Hamilton, there's, there's so much that it does. And obviously you're going to look for any kind of help that you can get when we've been waiting and waiting to see this secondary step up and perform in the big games and just be able to do their jobs a little bit better when called upon. And the more disruption you get up front from those guys, the better. And, and let's be honest, too. I know much of this is stemming from what's going on on the recruiting trail, but one feeds the other. And, you know, as far as coaches go, we probably look at, you know, Brian Hartline as being the big storyline, moving into his role as offensive coordinator. But now with Larry Johnson taking some heat from the fan base for missing out on some big time recruits, you go out and show what your defensive lineman can do on the field in a real college football season. And this leads to success. I mean, honestly, it hadn't been too long since he's pulled in some big time recruits and a lot of them will be playing for the Buckeyes here this year. And so it'd be great to watch them go out and do that and be maybe the force of the defense.
2: Yeah, I think we can move along to, to other parts of the defense. But again, I think it all starts up there. Well, if, if I asked Cody Simon about it, you know, he's obviously a linebacker right behind those guys just makes everyone's job easier if, if they can cut down on the time. Cornerbacks have to cover. Anybody's in coverage. You know, get get to the running back in the backfield, those type of things. Dave, I think most people know what the Buckeyes have in linebackers. It's pretty good. Um, we could talk about C.J. Hicks, and, and it sounds like, based on what Jim Knowles said, that his path to playing time may be in that jack role. But we already touched on some of the safeties. The cornerbacks, to me – Interesting, I think there are, and tell me if you think I'm, I'm wrong here, I think there are really three guys contending for the starting spots in Denzel Burke, who was kind of on one field, and then Davis Enigmanosa and Igmanosin, Jordan Hancock, who were the two on another field when they did seven on sevens. Is that kind of your read after what you saw on uh, on Thursday?
1: Basically, although to get more specific, I would say Denzel Burke's got a starting job locked down yeah, and then yeah. it's I- Hancock and Enigmanosa for – the other starting spot and all three of those guys are going to play a lot. I don't know what the rotation will look like. But I'll be shocked if all three of those guys don't play a lot. Um, and if it does work out the way we saw it the other day, like where at first, as you mentioned, they may, they were rotating and they're on different fields at times. But when, when they were together, it looked like uh, usually Burke would go first, Hancock would go second, Igmanos and third as far as the depth charges running through very light drills on the first day of camp. But we're going to read too much into things. But seriously, after doing this for many years, that usually means that is the pecking order going into camp. Now, that also could mean um, that it's subject to change very quickly as we are uh, – just like talking about right tackle. You're not going to have necessarily what's going to be – even what you think entering camp is your depth chart, you're going to make certain guys earn it. Um, But, yeah, I think right now Denzel Burke's the number one corner. I think Hancock's the number two with – Igbinosa knocking on that door. That young man was a freshman All-American at Ole Miss last year. I, I love his game. Hancock, though, was a big, big, big-time player in high school, and I thought he was ready for a breakout year last year. He suffered the injury in camp, ended up missing half the season. Guys, they're in such good—you know—they're in such a good spot at corner. Last year, only six scholarship corners, and then the worst happened. You were thinking going into the season, well, only six scholarship corners. As long as they stay healthy, they'll be okay. So at least it's high-level talent. And what happened? They got decimated by injuries. They had a game where Jair Brown, true freshman, and J.K. Johnson, redshirt freshman, who's no no longer even here, started a game. And now they have eight scholarship corners. They're a year older. And they they bring in Lorenzo Styles. They do have a couple of true freshmen who look really good in Calvin Simpson Hunt and Jermaine Matthews. And then all these other guys. I mean, it's just – I love what they got going on at corner. And if it does work out, Patrick and Timmy, that – igbinosin is the number three corner you know you're loaded at corner if davis and igbinosin i think he's got big time game if he's your number three corner you know you're loaded at corner and i think they're loaded at corner boys
2: tim i know you gotta you gotta bounce here in a minute but we've been very optimistic and i think that's what this time of year is right everybody is is excited and you know everybody looks good especially on the first day of practice um if things are what is your concern? Where is one area, as we stand right now, where you're just like, you know, this may not be it. This could be the reason that the Buckeyes don't get to where they want to go this year. What what is the what is the one negative that you can provide
0: to this podcast thus far? D- despite what, despite everything that Dave said, I I want to believe that I do. The the corners. They feel like they're going to be much, much better than they were last year. But I just – I don't know how it's all going to click in when you get into these bigger games. You know, when you, when you go to face Notre Dame on the road and you got Sam Hartman slinging it around, who's a step up at, at the quarterback position for them, when it's Penn State time and how good is this alarm going to be for them throwing the football. And then, of course, November 25th on the road. I feel good about Ohio state against every other opponent other than when you get to those big games. And then how is that defense going to perform when you actually need them to perform? Is there, is there that performance where they could hold somebody to 14 points, you know, 17 points. I don't even care like what the score is, but it's just situational football. It's like, what are you letting up? Are you letting up that big play? are you letting up, you know, consecutive, you know, 50-yard plays on back-to-back drives, things like that. So it's still a concern. And then the other one that we already talked about would be how the offensive line comes together because you've got so much talent at running back and at wide receiver. I believe that Kyle McCord is going to be really really good when he wins this job. So it ain't about that. It's just how those guys are protected. And then it's that that back end of the defense because I do think the D-line and even the linebackers that they are going to boast, are going to be pretty good. But how does it all come together? And do these guys believe in themselves the way that they're going to need to? Sure. And, you know, the
2: thing is, we can talk about how good it looks and how good it looks early in the season. We're not going to find out until you mention that Notre Dame game. Uh, that'll be the first real test. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sure that they'll get tested a little bit against Indiana. But after that, I mean, you got two weeks of, of what you should pretty much roll all right, Tim. Well, thanks for jumping on. I do appreciate it. It's been a little bit since we've had you on here, so I wanted thanks, to get buddy. your
0: insight. What'd you say? Sorry, no. What did you say?
2: I just wanted to get your insight, and you brought it. So yes, I
0: appreciate that, Pat. Always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you later tonight, buddy. That sounds good. That sounds good. All right, Six we'll see you on the Buckeye Show. Buckeye Show. Oh, yep, up, up, yep. See you. Bye. I'll be coming to you live from
2: the parking lot outside Lower.com field. So,
0: of course you will. Yep.
2: All right. I'll see you, Timmy. Thanks again. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, thanks again for Tim for coming on here. And, you know, Tim's been a frequent guest. We love having Timmy on, and I think he he provides good insight to everything Buckeyes. He does the Buckeye show, after all. Um, a couple other things I wanted to touch on real quick before we jump off of kind of the, the start of fall camp, and Dave will be back in just a second. The first thing being uh, – you're gonna hear this guy's name a lot throughout fall camp. Carnell Tate, the wide receiver, he looked good in spring. He looked even better, I thought, in the uh, practice we saw. I don't know what Carnell Tate's gonna do this year as a freshman. That receiving room is loaded. I don't know where he fits in the pecking order right now, but rest assured, he looks like a, another future star. I thought Brandon Ennis looked pretty good, Dave. Just those two freshman wide receivers, real quick. What did you make of of them and? Do, do they have a role this year? Do you see them getting on the field when it matters at all?
1: i got to stick with my guns here. I mean, like, it'd be easy to say yes. They Here's what I keep saying, but I think it's pertinent. That's um, why I keep saying it. That's why I keep repeating myself. Could Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, if they needed to play as true freshmen, have big roles, could they handle it and play well? Yes, in my opinion. Yeah. Will they get that chance? No. and Hopefully not. Stay with me. But I think the only reason that they would is injuries to a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Mecca Ibuka. I don't want to see injuries to what could go down as the best tandem of wide receivers that come through Ohio State. I do not say that lightly. We've had a ton of great wide receiver tandems come through here. And um, so, like, I mean, just look at Marvin two – or, yeah, really two years ago, Patrick. Look at Marvin's freshman year. Yeah. He absolutely was ready. We could see it in the spring. He enrolled early. We could see it. It's like, wow. I remember saying, like, he look, He reminds me of A.J. Green, like a A.J. Green at Georgia and early in his Bengals career, and not just because he's wearing the number 18. Didn't remind me of his dad. It reminded me of A.J. Green. And then, dare I say, now he reminds me of a better A.J. Green, but I digress. And so we knew he was ready, and then he didn't play really at all in the regular season, and he had three touchdowns and just broke out in the Rose Bowl. And the only reason he played, as everybody knows, in the Rose Bowl is because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson sat out to get ready for the draft. Rightfully so. Look what they're doing. Um, So, if my point is, if Marvin Harrison Jr. can't see the field as a true freshman, am I going to say that, you know, am I going to predict that uh, Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis are going to see the field a lot as a true freshman? No, I can't do that. But um, it won't shock me if they do. Now, who knows? Maybe they could beat out a guy like Julian Fleming or Jaden Ballard. Xavier Johnson, to me, is going to have a role in this offense. You're going to need to beat out a Fleming or a Ballard or both if you're Tate or your Ennis. Um, but in the future, I think, I mean, Cardinal Tate's going to be a hell of a wide receiver on, on the outside, and Ennis is going to be a hell of a wide receiver at the slot. Those guys are going to be dangerous. And I like Noah Rogers a lot, too. And don't forget about Bryson Rogers. That's a really, really, like, it's just a fantastic freshman class. But uh, to answer your question, man, I mean, I'll just go with the Marvin Harrison Jr. rule. If uh, if he can't play a lot as a true freshman, I'll have to believe it when I see it with Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis. The, uh, the final –
2: thing i want to ask before we talk about this conference realignment stuff um between ryan day and jim Knowles, we talked to both of them uh kind of the offensive guru though ryan day does more defensive stuff now and and the defensive guy what was maybe one or two if if you don't think of just one thing that from either of them that really stood out to you uh the first time we've talked to them in, in some time other than ryan day at media day but what stood out to you
1: well, if Knowles was talking about just his safeties, for sure. Um, Sonny Styles, as I mentioned, we've talked about that. Uh, Sonny playing the slot, I think it will be you know, more of a rover back. He's going to do a little bit of everything. He's not going to just do what Tanner McAllister did last year, or do what Cam Martinez would do if he was in the slot. So that jumped out at me. But then also that Jihad Carter is going to be the adjuster. That certainly jumped out at me. Um, no surprise that Lathan Ransom is going to be the, the bandit. Uh, Knowles loves ra- uh, Ransom. I know Ransom... You know, had that, he had a tough game against Georgia. But overall, I thought he played well last year, and I really like that young man. He's tough as nails. He's, uh, he's smart. He just um, – you can see why the coaches love him. Um, so basically hearing him name his starting safeties on the first day of camp, it's like for media guys and fans, it's like this is perfect. Like Ryan Day, when we had – I love Ryan Day, as you know. Ryan Day in 2019, we were going into camp, and it was like Justin Fields versus Chuggs and Gunnar Hoke. And we asked Ryan Day – Who's your starting quarterback? We all knew. And he would say with a straight face. We don't know yet. It's a competition between Justin Fields, Chugs, and Gunner Hoke. So um, I love Jim Knowles. I love how candid he is. So that definitely jumped out at me. Um, I'll also say I will hearken back to Big Ten Media Days, and I asked him to follow up uh, when we got to meet with Ryan Day the other day. Like, tell me more. Tell me more about this uh, less rotating on the defensive line because we've been talking about that a lot on bucknuts and the bucknuts bucknuts exactly buck, buck happy hour it's like listen i don't need like guys that are going to be undrafted free agents out there against georgia when the game's on the line i need my dudes out there okay i still have no idea how Teron vincent led the d tackles and snaps last year get guys out there undrafted free agents out there taking away plays from guys that should have been out there this year with jt With Sawyer, with Kenyatta Jackson, and Curry at defensive end, you got to pick your top three. And then at D-Tackle, I think they've got their top three. got to pick your top three with Ty Leak, Mike Hall, and uh, Ty Hamilton. Roll with those guys. Now, maybe a Hero Canoe or a Tyrone Malone can step up there, but um, I like the idea of playing your best guys when the game is on the line.
2: Yeah, I was hoping that's what you'd say, because I know that that's been a big topic. Look, I think they're still going to rotate, especially in some of the games when they get up comfortably. But like you said, when the game is on the line, the best guys need to be in there, and we've kind of discussed those already. The One thing that I thought, and he this came from Media Day too, Ryan Day seems okay. Not that he'd want it to be this way, but at least he's open to the idea of going into the season without a starting quarterback or at least playing both guys. Now, I think if he has it his way, they find a starting quarterback, they, they go through camp with that guy, and, and he's their starter. But he's been asked a couple times about that, and he hasn't just said, no, we'll have a starter. He's saying, you know, the guys have to go out and win it, which I guess is just what you say if you're a coach. And, and maybe if you got him, to be completely honest, he would be candid that, look, they'll, they'll have a starter by week one. But I was just a little bit surprised that he's kind of been open to that idea a little bit. I don't think that'll happen, as you, as you and I both agree. We think it'll be Kyle McCord, but even if it is Devin Brown, I think one guy will emerge, but I just, I don't know. I thought that was a little interesting. It it perked my interest a little bit and maybe not in a good way because you know, the old saying, if you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think they will have one though. Um, all right, let's flip over to the announcement. Well, not the announcement, the reports today that the big 10 is expected to approve Oregon and Washington, um, as new members of the conference, Dave, I'm not at all surprised by this, given what we've seen in recent years. Um, but I thought maybe this would come further down the road. Now the the Pac-12 has kind of been collapsing here, so maybe you just strike while the iron's hot. But what is your initial reaction to what sounds like the Big Ten will add two more teams from the West Coast?
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was fate accompli here. Like there were all the the leaks, and was like. At first, I was like, do, do you really need, like, a, a two more West Coast teams? It's not like you can just, if you're in L.A., just, hey, it's an easy drive to Seattle. It's like, no, no, you're still going to have a two, uh, over a two-hour plane ride from L.A. to Seattle. But um, everything that was leaking out, it just seemed like it was definitely going to happen, especially when it was, and this is no surprise, the Big Ten has all of the leverage. And Again, as Patrick said, this is not official yet, but it pretty much is um you know big 10 has all the leverage where washington and oregon just would crawl to chicago and they just name your price well we, we we want as long as you can give us more than the big 12 we're in and so the big 10 held all the cards and we don't know exactly what the lesser you know amount that oregon and washington will get but they will get a lesser cut of the tv deal how much the less we don't know there'll be similar to when rutgers and, and maryland joined the conference and um Overall, Patrick, you know, I think the more I, I think about it, I, I like it. You know, I think um, especially with the 12-team playoff, it's interesting. This is the – I almost said the old days. The current days of the four-team playoff, you wouldn't want to keep adding, like, US guys like – you teams like USC and, like, Oregon and Washington. It's like, come on, like, it's hard enough to get in. We're really going to, like, cannibalize ourselves. Now with 12 teams getting in, um, I like it. I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm looking forward to trips to uh, – to Seattle and Eugene and L.A., um, but uh, focusing on Oregon and Washington. At first, I was skeptical. I've certainly come around uh, on it, and I think with the twelve-team playoff, it makes a lot of sense.
2: What about the idea? Well, I mean, we were already as the Big Ten going to expand into the the Pacific time zone, but you know, it's and not that the Big Ten is completely Midwest anymore at all, but I mean, you know, from, from a fan's perspective, it's fun to have the chance to go to Oregon, go to USC every once in a while. But if you're doing trips like that every other year, do you, do you think this hurts the fan experience at all? Or, or do you think it just becomes more NFL-like where maybe fans don't travel as much? I mean, we know Ohio State fans are everywhere. They'll show up. But just from a, a Big Ten perspective, I mean, you're going to be from one coast to the other now. Probably as as far as you can go with Rutgers to, to USC and UCLA. What what do you think about that from from that side of things?
1: Not many programs can say this. Maybe Ohio State's one of maybe uh, I don't know five, if that. But I mean, they have fans everywhere. The Buckeyes do, and you know, especially when there's a large alumni group in LA. You got a lot of Buckeyes in the Pacific Northwest. They're just just absolutely thrilled right now that um, that Oregon Washington and the LA schools are joining the big 10. It's like, you know, it, it's just crazy. I think, I think it's going to be okay because yeah, Buckeye fans do love doing, like you know, So for example, Indiana, every time I've been to Indiana, both back in the day as a, you know, college guy, as a fan and my times there as a media guy, I mean, Indiana is Ohio stadium West. A lot of people that live in Western Ohio. It's like a, you know, such an easy drive. It's an easy drive from Columbus too. So it is fun to go to some of those Big Ten road games. You're not far from Michigan. You're not far from Michigan State, even Penn State, um, Purdue, a few others. But like, how many how many Ohio State fans are like driving to Minnesota, for example, for uh, you know, a game against Minnesota? You know, how many how many are doing that? You know, how many are going to Iowa? Actually, a decent amount go to Iowa. I'm okay with it because, yeah, you're not going to get people that live here in the Midwest like driving out to like portland or whatever or excuse me eugene but you know you're the people in the pacific northwest which is a vast ohio state group uh they'll hold the fort down there will be people flying in and you know to to further enhance it so i'm okay with it i hear what you're saying i mean it's not gonna be the same as when we're all here in the midwest but that went out the door long ago when they added maryland and Rutgers. that was the one that was just like wow and then it almost made as big of a wow as adding usc and ucla were it's like after adding Rutgers and Maryland, that, that almost – even though, you know, that, they're basically in the footprint. I mean, you know, I mean, Jersey and Pennsylvania share a state border. So does Maryland with Pennsylvania. Penn State was already in the league, so that kind of made sense. Same footprint. When they went out to L.A., it was like, wow. Still, for me, I don't know how you feel about it. It wasn't even as much of a wow as Maryland and Rutgers. So it's interesting, man. And now I think, just to put a cap on this, I think the next two schools that I think might join if I had to go out on a limb here – North Carolina and Virginia. I know everybody's talking about what, you know, Florida State, Clemson, Stanford. First of all, forget about Stanford and Cal. No way, in my opinion, especially Cal. Actually, both of them. Um, North Carolina and Virginia. Keep an eye on that.
2: I was going to ask you if you thought there would be more. So that's an, you you covered that already. Um, Yeah, I think, look, I think we have to have an open mind about this right now, right? I mean, as soon as they went, I mean first of all Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC that was that was kind of mind-boggling at the time doesn't seem as much anymore then USC and UCLA obviously coming to the Big 10 I'm still just kind of waiting to to see how that all goes but I think it'll be I don't know interesting to to say the least look buckeye fans missed their opportunity to go to Eugene in 2020 because of the covid season now you'll get the opportunity more often I don't know how the schedule's going to work out um mm-hmm. uh, let me ask you this last thing on this topic. When when you're talking about kind of the professional professionalization, is that how you say that word? Professionalization yep. of the sport. We've seen it with the transfer portal with NIL. I mean, is it just time to to go to a full, you know, take what the NFL has done so well and just two conferences, break them up into divisions? Do it like the NFL does, have a playoff at the end of it. I mean, would you be in favor of that? Or would you, do you, do you feel like college football needs to stay college football?
1: Yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, is it going to, is the genie already out of the bottle there as far as it's staying college football? But no, I don't think I want to go that far when you say just two conferences, you know? You know, have the AFC and the NFC. I, I don't want to go that far. I think there's room to have, obviously, the Big Ten and the SEC. They already are the two super conferences, and that's just going to get exacerbated now. Um, but I think there is room to have other conferences. Now, if I'm, I never will understand if I'm like a Mac school, I'd rather compete for an FCS championship who actually can win a championship. Although, the more I think about it, if you're like a Mac school, if you win the Mac championship, and just go to a bowl game that is your national championship so i digress but like seriously like i think you maybe could have some schools go to fcs that have absolutely no chance at ever even being in the playoff but now with 12 teams in the playoff you can have a big 12 that might now add uh, in addition to what they already have in arizona arizona state utah that could be viable is it going to compete with the sec and the big 10 no but you're going to get your champion in there um and you know Stranger things have happened, so uh, and we'll see what happens with the ACC. The Pac-12 is toast, but no, I don't want to just see two like you know, like like they do with the NFL. Um, are we going to stay with 135 Division One, you know, FBS teams? That, that seems like too many to me, Patrick. But um, no, I don't think we're going to pare it down to just two conferences.
2: One more thing, because you mentioned Pac-12 being toast. Um, I imagine that this is going to, well, it'll have to at some level affect the rose bowl pretty significantly at least what we think of the rose bowl which has already changed some you i know grew up watching the rose bowl as i did but you've watched a couple more of them uh what do you make of that that this won't be assuming that the pac-12 doesn't somehow pull this thing together it won't be the traditional version of the rose bowl as we know it um they'll have to pivot somehow if if they're going to stay in the game
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because it is – it's it's awesome being there, you know, like seeing like the, the sunset on the mountains, the yeah. San Gabriel Mountains. It's just – it's one of the more, more beautiful settings in sports. You and I were sitting next to each other in the press box for the 2018 game, 2019 Rose Bowl, 2018 season, Ohio State against Washington. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, RIP, the Buckeyes get up like, you know, boom, 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 21 nothing. Dwayne had his 50th touchdown pass. It's beautiful there, and you're right. I mean, just growing up, that was – that was the goal really for many years before they had the college football playoff, even before that, you know, the BCS. And even before that, um, you know, whatever it was called before that, what was it called? The college football, like I can't remember now, like unification. No, that's not what it was called. It was something stupid like that though. The, the goal, if you're a big 10 team was to get to the Rose bowl and win the Rose bowl, win the big 10 and get to the Rose bowl. That was it. Uh, and then win the Rose bowl, um, those days are past and it's, you know, if the four team playoff didn't kill it, I mean, it's definitely dead now. I mean, it's, not dead. You're still going to have the Rose bowl. You're going to have the Rose bowl parade and everything, but it already lost luster Patrick. To me now it's lost, um, a lot more luster. It's still going to survive. It's going to be the Rose bowl. Um, they're still going to have it every year, but like now, and it will be incorporated into, I'm sure somehow they're going to incorporate it like they do now, uh, with the college football playoff, but the Rose bowl itself, man, it, it pretty much was never the same after they went to the playoff. And now it's, uh, has been diminished even more.
2: Yeah, I think you you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing as a freshman. You had two guys in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson just sit out the Rose Bowl. Like, that wouldn't have happened previously. So to your point, it has already changed quite a bit. It doesn't mean the same thing to the guys that are on the field, which is (laughs) in some levels unfortunate, but times change and and you kind of have to deal with it. All right, Dave. Anything else that we didn't touch on from fall camp that you feel like we need to to mention real quick?
1: I will say the overall health of the team. Oh yeah. Knock on wood. Which um, reminds me, of when Joe Burrow had his press conference the first day of Bengals camp, was talking about he's even knocked on knocking on wood doesn't work, fellas yeah, and ladies. Um, Joe Burrow was like, knock on wood. It's the first time I've ever had like a real camp. And I'm gonna be healthy throughout camp, and then the next day like gets carted off. So. Um, listen, we know guys are going to get banged up. Guys already have. We were out there. Tylee Williams got banged up. Thankfully, it looked maybe it wasn't good at first, and then it was nothing. Maybe it just scared him a little bit, um, and you know he didn't have to get carted off. In fact, he didn't even. He just was standing up and was able to just to uh, watch the rest of practice standing up right with the defensive linemen. So trainers weren't even working on him. So that's great news. So there's going to be guys that get banged up as we all know. It's football, but. The fact that they're entering camp in such good health just puts them ahead of the curve. You know, you're going to get banged up, but I don't remember an Ohio State team entering camp this healthy. You know, especially in guys coming off like serious injuries, like Evan Pryor coming off the torn uh, patellar tendon. Um, Other guys that we thought would be back that you you still need to see it first, you know, like Jacob James, many others, but Evan Pryor is a great example. Um, They're just healthy across the board with their scholarship guys, Court Williams um and i'm here for it you know it's just in the guys that came in that transferred they had eight scholarship guys that transferred as you know patrick eight scholarship guys came in as transfers this year they're all healthy um even well i should say i mean if you want to i don't know if you count nigel glover as a transfer or just part of the 2023 class that that would be nine he was even there wearing the number 37 running with the linebackers nigel glover's there he's healthy so i would say the overall health of the team is certainly noticeable
2: yeah, the only one I would say is Mitchell Melton was out there, but he didn't do as much as some of the other guys. So they must still be easing him back in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Evan Pryor, full go. Uh, you mentioned all those guys. I, I thought it was good to see. But uh, yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. I think we I think we hit on it all. Uh, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you doing this. I know you and Jay Book did the BM5 this morning, so we probably recycled some of that stuff. But
1: clear you- though, right? What's wrong with that? Hey, we can't have enough Buckeye football, right, my friends? Everybody in the chat right now is probably like, we cannot get enough Buckeye football. That's why we love you guys. Patrick and I cannot get enough Buckeye football either. Love it.
2: All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Thank you. you and Steve enjoy running back interviews on Saturday, I will not be able to be there, but I'm sure you guys will hold down the fort. And I will see you next week.
1: Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. Uh, here thanks again to dave and tim for jumping on talking buckeyes starting fall camp this week uh as dave just said excited to uh to be back and doing this for another season it's uh it's it's always good this time of year i have friends ask me all the time like oh is you know it's it's starting to be your busy season the summer's over dah, dah, dah. and i'm like "No, no no this is a good thing like we want football back even if it is my job like i want Ohio state football back. I love college football. I love NFL football. So, you know, it it is a job and there is a grind to it, but I always get excited when, when things are going and and we have more to talk about, which I think is exciting for, for this show and whatnot. If you missed anything, if you're watching this live, uh, you'll be able to catch this anywhere you get your podcasts, please like subscribe all that good stuff. It helps us tremendously and uh yeah we'll be back to pretty much a weekly schedule here i think throughout fall camp and and into the season i tried to stay on that fairly regularly during the off season but there were some weeks where we just couldn't get it done but like i said football season's here so thanks again for tuning in and uh we'll talk to you guys next week buckeye fans cheers